Hello everyone, I'm your host DJ Hamilton. Welcome to another edition of the DJ Sports Show. Um, I've been under the weather lately and I took off last week. I didn't record it last week because I was, wasn't feeling well and I'm still a little bit under the weather, so bear with me. But um, yeah, I'm ready to get back at it with another episode after taking a hiatus week. And to this episode, we're talking about LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Um, their returns, when they're expected to return. Um, Jamal Murray tore his ACL. There's been a lot of stuff going on within the past week and a half since I last did the episode. Seth Curry became an all-time Warrior scoring leader, passing Wilt. Um, we're talking about Julian Edelman retiring. Um, Alex Rodriguez brought the Timberwolves. Um, Marcus Hall just retired due to heart issues. And MJ's going to honor Kobe at the Hall of Fame ceremony. And the ex-NFL player killed five people. Let's get into it and let's get started. Let go. So, yes, we have a lot of NBA news again, too. A lot of NBA stuff um, that's been going on lately. So the Lakers superstars, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, can return within the next two weeks or so. Anthony Davis, I'm going to update it because um, this was reported last week. So last few days, he's been cleared. Um, they've been clearing him for full contact in practice. So he might make it his appearance this week, later this weekend. But we have yet to see if that will come to um, reality. But Anthony Davis expected to return very soon, probably within the next week. And LeBron James probably within the next two two to three weeks as he's healing his right ankle sprain. So Anthony Davis was reevaluated by Team Dawkins in L.A. this week, and he could return to play in the next 10 to 14 days. And LeBron James could be right behind him, according to ESPN sources, Adrian Wojnarowski. Davis has been out since Valentine's Day, February 14th, with a cast strain and tenon- tenonosis in his right leg and will be examined. It was examined this past Thursday after the Lakers returned from their um, five-game road trip. Um, and LeBron James, who suffered a right high ankle sprain, the recent goes on track to be back in the lineup within the next three weeks or so. Um, Davis is one of the best players in the league. He, even though he struggled this year, averaging 22.5 points, 8.5 rebounds, 1 point blocks, 1.3 steals per game this season. They're going to need him and LeBron James to get fully healthy to try to make a playoff push for, to make that to repeat as champions this year. They're really going to need them. Lakers, they haven't put up their best efforts. Um, recently, they beat the Utah Jazz in an overtime game where they didn't have um, Andre Drummond, who's been out with a re-aggravated toe injury. Um, AD and LeBron been out. And they, they, they've been depleted. Um, Markeith Morris is out with injury as well. Like, their roster is really depleted right now. They don't have a lot of key guys right now. And they're still end up being the team, number one team in the Western Conference. But they also didn't have their stars either in Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert. So, then again, once they, I feel like once Lakers get everyone together, they're really going to make a push and show why they're the favorites in the West, man. Why they're one of the top dogs in the NBA. Because everybody's been sleeping on them ever since LeBron and AD been out. And it's I feel like they've been out forever. Um, the Lakers have been 12 and 13 since AD has been out, falling from the top two seed in the West Conference to like number five, number six in the West. They're they're getting if they keep losing games, they're slowly getting into that scary um, playing territory. But you have teams like the Dallas Mavericks and stuff, who are also um, in that territory as well, who also look like they're not gonna win much games as well. So I think the Lakers will be safe where they are. I don't see them losing their spot in their standings. Right now, Lakers are fifth in the West. We have the Blazers sixth, Mavericks seventh, and Grizzlies eighth. The seventh and eighth, seventh to ten seats will be in the playing game. So the top six seats are locked in and don't have to worry about playing in the playing game. So Lakers 
I think they're pretty safe, and they have AD expected to come back soon to help them win games. And LeBron should be right back in the next two weeks or so. So I think that's going to help them as well. But, yeah, LeBron and AD, I can't wait to see them back. And I'm ready for the Lakers to try to repeat and um, protect their championship and get that next banner because we want to see them continue to win chips. And I want to see LeBron get another chip, win five chips. And this will be a great handful. He's too great of a player not to have a handful of chips. So it will be great to see that, and I hope they repeat. Um, speaking of more injuries, some devastating news happened uh, last Wednesday when a star guard of Denver Nuggets, Jamal Murray, suffered a torn ACL in his left knee, and he'll be out indefinitely probably all of next season as well. And this changes the whole landscape of the Denver Nuggets' outlook for this season and into next season. Um, it was a non-contact injury during the, their 106-107 loss to the Golden State Warriors on Monday night. He crumpled to the ground in plain clutching his left knee and pounding the court with his hand after trying to split two Warriors defenders on a drive with, under, with 50.6 seconds remaining and the Nuggets trailed 111 to 104. Um, the coach, Mike Malone, came out to check on Murray after the injury and they immediately yelled for the medical medical staff. Um, he couldn't walk on his own. He couldn't put weight on it and that's how you knew it was bad. If you, I have perfect personal experience from tearing my ACL. If you can't put your own weight on your body and walk, it's probably a torn ACL or a torn Achilles. It's one of those. And that's not... They brought out a wheelchair, but Murray declined, and he hopped off the court with two team members to help him carry him off the court. Um, he has been hobbled with injuries this year. He also had a apparent discomfort in his other leg, which probably um, made him favor the left leg, which ultimately ended up tearing the ACL. That's what happens if you favor one leg too much, put too much pressure on the one leg, it's going to cause the ACL to rupture. Um, he was averaging 21.2 points, 4 rebounds, and 4.8 assists per game. They had won 17 of 20 games before dropping their past two. And last year, he was on a tear in the ball by averaging over 26.5 points per game, 6.6 assists, and 4 point rebounds in 19 playoff games. And this is a shame, man. Denver Nuggets, ever since they traded for Aaron Gordon, looked like they were all getting the chemistry together. Nuggets looked like they couldn't lose a game with him, Michael Porter Jr., Jokic, um, Aaron Gordon. And then who else? I think it was crowded out the starting five. I forgot, but... Yo, that starting five of theirs, man, was dangerous. And this is a shame that Jamal Murray's out. And we're not going to get to see the full team together again for probably for the foreseeable future. So hopefully he comes back strong and I hope he gets healthy. And I want to see him get back to the hopefully all-star level I think he could reach in his NBA career. As we continue on with more NBA news, let's get into Steph Curry, man. This guy has been on a rampage, ladies and gentlemen. The last 10 games or so, he has been averaging over 30 eight points per game and the other night Monday against the Sixers he hit 10 three-pointers in a single game for the sixth time this season and he also surpassed Michael Jordan Kobe Bryant as the only player over 33 years old with the most games over 40 points he broke their record he's keeping the Warriors afloat and carrying this franchise this season and he broke Roach Hamlin's all-time Warrior scoring record to become the all-time Warrior scoring leader last week when he scored 53 points against the Denver Nuggets. That was the game that Jamal Murray tore his ACL. That was the game Steph Curry went off. Steph Curry, man, what he's doing is unprecedented. And if his team was in better standing, like they're only like a ninth seed in the Western Conference right now, he will be in the MVP conversation. Like more, <clears throat> he will be more legitimately in the MVP conversation. <clears throat> Excuse me. Like, he's had games this this during this 10-11 game stretch where he's hit 10 three-pointers, 11 three-pointers, 8 three-pointers on high efficiency. We've never seen a shooter like Steph Curry, and we never probably ever will again. 
His coach, Steve Kerr, said, I see Kobe Bryant early in his career had a stretch where he went nuts. Obviously, Michael Jordan had some stretches where he just scored like crazy. But obviously, nobody's ever shot the ball like this in the history of the game. Even my Steph's own lofty standards, this is above and beyond. And yes, it's downright above and beyond. And it's magical what he's doing. He's Steffortless, bro. <laughs> like, every time Steph Curry's on the floor, you want to watch. Like, it's must-see TV. Every time I know Steph Curry's playing... I want to watch him play. He's one of the greatest players we've ever seen, and he's one of the most must-watched players the game has ever seen. He's one of the most influential players the game has ever seen, and he changed downright changed the game. There's only a few NBA greats I feel like have changed the game. Him, Jordan, Magic, um, Shaq, Wilt, LeBron, Dirk, and probably Hakeem and Kevin Garnett. Those guys changed the game in one way or another. Like, this, this April, he's been going off, man. Um, He's made 10 or more three-pointers in four of the Warriors' five games between April 12th to April 19th. And he had more... I looked at a stat Um, he had for a week last week. He had 36 three-pointers by himself in a whole week. He had it more than any... Some NBA teams that had the, had for the whole week. That More than four or five other NBA teams. That is ridiculous. One person had more three-pointers in a whole week than a whole NBA team. That is ludicrous. He has 21 career double-digit three-point games, and six of them are this season. During his 10-game run, he has accumulated 72 made three-pointers, which is the most in that span in the NBA history. And he's been lately on a more frenetic pace in the last five games, hitting 46 three-pointers um, on nine or 9.2 per game. That is, man, this dude is on another level right now. He's right now averaging more points per game than Bradley Beal, who was the leading scorer in the NBA earlier this season. He was averaging like over 32 a game, 33. Now Steph Curry has passed him. Beal has slowed down. Steph Curry is averaging over 31.4 points per game now, and he has passed Beal, who's averaging 31.1 by a hair. He's had 11 consecutive games with 30 or more points, the longest 30-point streak by a player 33 years or older, surpassing the late great Kobe Bryant. And, he, and he's also among Hall of Fame company with 40-point scoring efforts. Man, he's now 75th on the all-time scoring list, and he sure, surely rises as the years go on as long as he stays healthy. Um, he trails nine active players on the career scoring list with 17,989. Um, LeBron James leads all active players with 35,283, but it's Curry's offensive pr productivity per minute that puts him among who is who of the past and present NBA greats. Well, he and he is a flamethrower. Once he gets hot, you cannot stop this dude, man. It is unstoppable to stop him, man. He is playing great basketball. And speaking of great basketball, Paul George, too, man. He's been on a frenetic place, too, having consecutive 30-point games and helping the Clippers win with Kawhi Leonard, who was out for a little while with the injury. Um, but now Kawhi Leonard's back. But Paul George has been keeping the Clippers afloat. He's the fourth player in the Clippers franchise history to score 30-plus points in five consecutive games, joining Kawhi Leonard, Bob McAdoo, and World Be Free. He's been on a tear at the Clippers as of late, averaging 34.3 points on 55% shooting, five rebounds, 6.3 assists, and one-and-a-half steals while also hitting around four and a half threes a game on an astounding 60% um, field goal percentage. So that is ridiculous. Paul George is shutting up his naysayers and all the people saying he's choked. We want to see him play like this in the postseason, though. If he plays like this in the postseason, the naysayers got to go somewhere. They got to shut up because 
what he's doing right now, yes, it's the regular season. We know he's great in the regular season. We want to see it in the postseason, though, when it really matters. That's what we were waiting to see from Paul George, who has pretty much come up small in the playoffs on multiple occasions now, on OKC and on the Clippers, and sometimes when he was on the Pacers near the end of his tenure, tenure there. So we want to see him come up big. This was a guy, Paul George was one of the young upcoming stars in the league. This was a guy challenging Prime LeBron, giving the Heat all he can give them, forcing him to seven games in East Conference Finals in 2013 and 2014. He was like the best young rising star in the league at that time. Like, he he was that dude. Like, he was crazy. He looked like he could probably be the next face of the league, but then, you know, he hurt his leg and stuff. But he's still a great, great player. He's still going to be in the Hall of Fame. But I want to see him do it in the postseason. That's what I'm waiting to see. Right now, Sixers are number one in the East. Joel Beats came back. He's been a monster ever since he's come back from his injury. Um, the Nets are number two. KD went out with a thigh injury to the Miami Heat the other day. And, and man, and I mean, there was some contact, but, man, KD looks like he can't stay on the court for a long period of time anymore, man. Like, I'm, I'm starting to get worried for his future health, his career, for his, the rest of his career. He can't stay on the damn floor. Um, you have the Hawks, number four right now. They've been playing great basketball ever since Damian Millie has been hired. They're like 17-6 and six in their last 23 games since he got hired, and they're 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. They've been winning games, man. The Knicks are fifth seed right now. The Celtics are right behind at number six, only a... One, one, one win away from tying the Knicks. Um, they're both 8-2 in their last 10. Celtics have really been picking it up lately. They've been really winning games. They've been really finding their rhythm and their chemistry. Jason Tatum has been balling out of control. Jalen Brown's been out with an injury. I think he just came back. Kimba Walker's been playing a little bit better as of late. Not the all-NBA Kimba Walker from like last year or two years ago, but he's starting to become a little bit better for this team. That's what they need, especially when they don't have the deepest of benches. That's what you need. Um... Julius Randle has been bowled out of control. He dropped 44 last week, and he killed the Pelicans the other day. Like he He's making All-NBA this year. He is an All-NBA caliber player, and he should be in the MVP conversation. Um, maybe not top three, but he should be like in the top six, seven um, players in the MVP conversation. He is that legit this season. He has been bowling. Last year, nobody wanted no part of Julius Randle. He was clogging the, clogging the lane, ball hogging. He looked like he couldn't. He couldn't go right for nothing. He was just, uh, like, everybody just didn't like him. And then this year, he changed every his whole game. Tom Thibodeau, I think, has worked wonders for him and has done wonders for his career. So, And he's, mo- he's my most improved player. I had Zion winning it, but after what Julius Randle's been doing this whole season and the Knicks are winning, I got to give it to Julius Randle, man. His numbers have improved across the board. This is a career year for him. Um, number seven, the Heat. The Heat have kind of dropped off this year. Um, the Hornets have really dropped off because LaBella Ball's been out with a fractured wrist. He's expected to come back um, um, within the next week or 10 days, so that's exciting news for them. He's an exciting young, exciting... He's, to me, the most exciting player the Hornets franchise has ever had. Michael Jordan did a great job drafting him. He's a young superstar in the making. Um, they really need him back if they want to try to make this push to make the postseason. And then Gordon Hayward's out, which kind of sucks for them. Terry Rozier has been trying to carry them, but they're missing a lot of scoring power and firepower offensively on that team to really try to help them win games. It's just why they fell to the number eight seed because earlier this season, they were near the number four, five seed, six seed, and they have really dropped since then. Pacers are nine and Bulls are 10. Those would be like the playing games. Wizards are tied with the same record as the Bulls, so stay tuned for that. And Raptors are 24 and 34, while the Wizards and Bulls are 24 and 33. So, And the Cavs, Magic, and Pistons are all going to be in the lottery, so they don't even... 
Don't have to worry about getting the playing game. On the Western Conference side, though, we have the Jazz at number one, 43 and 15, but the Suns are creeping up on their heels, especially with Donovan Mitchell being out still. We don't know when he's going to come back. He hurt his ankle the other day. Suns are 41 and 16. Clippers have been balling their last 10 due to Paul George. They're 9 and 1 in their last 10 games. Um, Nuggets are 37 and 20, 8 and 2. They've been winning games despite Jamal Murray being out. I have Jokic as my MVP. On the other day, he had like 47, 15 rebounds and 8 assists. Oh my God, against the Grizzlies. He's carrying that team right now. Jamal Murray is going to be out probably for the next year, year and a half. So, and Michael Porter Jr. has been really good for them as well, balling out. Helping Jokic take some pressure off of him. The Lakers are fifth seed. They're still without AD and LeBron, but AD expected to return within the next week. So we'll see how that goes. They're 35 and 23. Blazers are 32 and 25. Lillard was out last night. He's out with a hamstring injury, I believe. Let me check. Yeah. Um, Lillard. Lillard. Yeah, right hamstring. Yep. So Lillard's out with that. And Mavericks are 30 and 26. You got the Grizzlies 29 and 27. The Warriors are in the ninth seed at 500, 29 and 29. And Spurs are 28 and 28. Pelicans, I would love to see the Pelicans make the play in. I don't want to see the damn Spurs. But the Pelicans don't know how to close out games, man. They really don't. They they know how to they're offensively, they're really talented. Don't get me wrong. But they don't know how to play defense for nothing. They give up so many points. They give up over 110 points every freaking game I watch them play. And I watch them frequently. They, they don't know how to defend for nothing. <laughs> and even when they have like a 20-point lead, I've seen it on numerous occasions this season. They always find a way to blow the lead because they don't know how to defend. They, and when it comes to clutch situations, they always another team always finds a way to beat them. They're young and inexperienced, and I think this is going through growing pains. Hopefully next season, they get their act together and make the playoffs. It's time for them to make the playoffs. I want to see Zion in the playoffs, man. I don't want to see the damn Spurs. Like, come on, man. But, yeah. And Giannis came back recently. So, and right now the Bucks are the number three seed. So, uh, Drew Holiday's been playing great for them. But I don't think they have enough to really make it deep. To the, to the maybe conference finals, maybe if like the Sixers and B's not playing his best or he gets injured, they'll have a path to the East Conference finals if they don't have to run into Brooklyn on their way there. But that's the only way I could see like the Bucks making it to the conference finals. But yeah, the East is going to be interesting this year. I, I want to see how the other teams in the playoffs play. I'm excited to see Trey Young in the playoffs on the Young Studs, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, hopefully the Mellow Ball and the Hornets make the playoffs. Like, I want to see all the young studs do their thing, man. That's why I want to see Zion playing, but they're not going to make it. Um, also, we can tell the NBA news. Um, shockingly, last week, Marcus Aldridge announced his abrupt retirement due to a health scare to an uh, irregular heartbeat. He announced on Twitter on th- last Thursday that he's retiring from the NBA after experiencing an irregular heartbeat during his final appearance with the Brooklyn Nets. He, he stated, um, for 15 years, I put basketball first, and now it's time to put my health and family first. He said he experienced this irregular heartbeat during their game against the Lakers on Saturday, after which his condition um, worsened. And he stated, um, the next morning I told the team what I was going, what was going on, and they were great getting me to the hospital. Um, though I'm better now, what I felt with my heart that night was still one of the scariest things I've experienced. Um, he had missed the Nets' past two games with the team, what the team called a non-COVID-19 illness, and their general manager, Sean Marks, said the team finally supports his decision to retire. Um, he, and he stated, um, 
We know this was not an easy decision for him, but after careful consideration and consultation with medical experts, he made the best decision for him, his family, and for his life after basketball. Um, during during the appearance on ESPN's Jalen Jacoby, his former star teammate on the Trailblazers, Damian Lillard, said he was shocked to hear the news of Aldridge's retirement. Um, Lillard just had to say, um, I think in a situation like, like this, basketball is the least of his concerns and everyone else's concern. So I'm sure it was a tough decision for him, but I'm glad he made the decision in the best interest of him and his family. And he also stated that the Blazers need to retire his number 12 jersey, which I honestly believe they should. Aldridge, ladies and gentlemen, Aldridge, yes, he might not be a Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, Dirt Whiskey level power forward, but he's like the tier below that. He was a perennial all-star for years. He probably came up in the wrong era. The game changed, and that's probably why his effectiveness went down. But man, if any, if he was in the 80s, 90s, I think he would have been even greater. Because the big man was um, more prominent. They emphasized it more. His, he had a beautiful mid-range game. His mid-range touch. He has one of the best mid-range games of any big I've ever seen. He, he could shoot the three. Um, maybe not at a high, high level like a Dirk or Carl Towns. But he could shoot the three. And he was just a beast in the low post as well. Like, he was a monster in his prime, man. Like, his Portland Trailblazers years and, like, the first year on the Spurs. The Spurs, he was good. He wasn't as good as Portland, in my opinion. But his Blazers years were, were otherworldly, man. Um, um, San Antonio coach Popovich called Aldridge a consumer professional with a unique skill set and a deep respect for the game. And he said, we're grateful for his contributions both on and off the court during his time here in San Antonio. I'm proud of him for making this difficult decision. and We wish him and his family all the best in the future. Um, he, he recently signed with the Nets just like not even a month ago, March 28th, after agreeing to a buyout with the Spurs where he has spent the last five and a half seasons with. And he was a seven-time All-Star during his first nine years of his career with the Trailblazers. Man, imagine if him and Lillard stayed together longer as Lillard has become the player we've all seen within the last um, three, four years where he's become even on another level. And then T.J. McCollum became the player he's become. Imagine those three together. I think they could have won a chip if they had like another 3 and D wing at a high level on their side and a nice good bench and another big who could protect the rim and rebound. If they had that team together, man, I think they could have won a ring together. It's a shame we're never going to know. But yeah, I hope Aldridge gets well. I hope this is something he can get past, and I hope he has a great uh, life after basketball, and I'm just glad he's safe. And um, it's important that, yes, sport. we all love sports. Athletes really love the game, but sometimes there's stuff that's more important that are bigger than the game, such as you're putting your life at risk. A heart issue, that's something you really got to take serious. So I hope Ardris is healthy, and I hope he makes a full recovery. But next up... We're going to take a quick little break. But next up, we're going to talk about Alex Rodriguez. Um, he now owns the Minnesota Timberwolves. So that's very peculiar, in my opinion. We're going to talk about Julian Edelman retiring. Um, we're also going to get into MJ. We're going to honor Kobe at the Hall of Fame ceremony, which we respect. And we're going to talk about this ex-NFL player who has killed five people, recently killed five people about a week ago. Um, and then we're also going to get into um, NBA's reaction to the Derek Chauvin um, um, verdict where he's finally got pleaded guilty and he got arrested. So we're going to get into all that. But before that, we'll take a quick break.
Smooth driving pays off. With Allstate, the safer you drive, the more you save. You've never been in better hands. Allstate, click or call for a quote today. Yo, Dad, come play some ball. You're not my dad. I'm not your dad. Of course I'm your dad's son. If I wasn't your dad, would I be able to do this? What are you doing? I'm doing this. Make a swish. Uh-oh. Jake from State Farm. Here's the deal. There's no replacing the real Chris Paul. Not my car. Just like there's no replacing State Farm. Come on, man. Stop trying to be me. You want the real deal? Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. <clears throat> so Alex Rodriguez has finalized the deal with um, Mark Lord to buy the Minnesota Timberwolves. Former Major League Slugger, um, along with billionaire Mark Lore, finalized a deal to purchase the Timberwolves and Minnesota Lynx from majority owner Glenn Taylor. Um, the purchase price in the deal is expected to be one and a half billion dollar range. Um, and Taylor would continue to hold full control of both teams for two years before Rodriguez and Lore would fully take over in 2023. Um, they said, stated, um, we look forward to entering this phase of the process with Glenn Taylor, Rodriguez and Laura said in a joint statement, our respect for him and the legacy he has built lays an amazing foundation for what is to come. We are excited by the prospect again to know the Timberwolves organization. Taylor, who announced in July of 2020, he was looking for a buyer. In terms of the sale, similar to talks Taylor had in the past with a billionaire, Ryan Smith, who walked away from a potential deal to per ultimately purchase the Utah Jazz for $1.6 billion in October. Taylor, who's 79, saved NBA basketball in Minnesota when he bought the team for $88 million in 1994 after he nearly moved to New Orleans. But he has had an unspectacular, horrible ownership run, in my opinion, in the 26 years. Missed in the playoffs in 16 of the past 17 years, advancing just past the first round only once. And he's had a much more successful 10-year owning the WNBA Lynx, who have won four championships in the past 10 years. Um, he has discussed keeping the Timberwolves in Minnesota with new ownership, but Rodriguez's ties to Seattle and that season's desire for a return of NBA franchise become become an issue in the long term. So, I don't really think I'm. I'm really kind of like as Rodriguez. Does he know basketball like that? Like Mark Lord, do these guys know basketball? Do they know how to like get players to come to Minnesota? Minnesota's not really an attractive market. Like it's cold. It's brutally cold. It's always snowing. Nobody wants, it's not like L.A. sunshine, nice out, big market, you're marketable. There's all these different endorsements you can get if you're a star athlete. It's not like New York either or Chicago, those big markets, Boston, like Minnesota. The only legend from Minnesota is Kevin Garnett. And he, he even stayed there too long because if he didn't stay there too long, if he would have left earlier in his prime, he would probably be in the top 10 all-time conversation. If he would have won more championships, if he had like three or four rings, he'd be in the top 10 all-time because he was that great of a two-way player. But they wasted his prime years. Glenn Taylor does... Glenn, Kevin Garnett tried to buy um, 
um, Park State ownership or own the Timberwolves. But Glenn Taylor doesn't like him for some reason, and he's the greatest player. He's the only. He's the reason why the Timberwolves freaking survived all those years. If it was for Kevin Garnett, they probably would have been shipped somewhere else, or probably would have went dormant. And he doesn't pay due respect to the the best friend. He doesn't has even he doesn't even have his number retired. It's ridiculous. And he's by far the greatest player in franchise history. Carl Towns is a great player, but he ain't gonna be Kevin Garnett. He ain't gonna be a top twenty player of all time. And I Cat is nice, but Kevin Garnett was on another level. What he brought to the game. I was already guessing Mark Lore. <clears throat> I don't really know what their basketball knowledge is like. Do they know how to get town to a franchise? Do they know how to draft well? Are they going to hire the right people? That's all the questions I have for them. Just especially kind of peculiar that Alex Rodriguez is really a, a guy for baseball. Like, he knows his baseball. I don't know if he really knows his basketball at the same level. That's what I'm interested to see in the coming years. And hopefully they can turn around this franchise around. And hopefully Cat doesn't ask for a trade in, like, the next year or two. Because he's 25, going to be 26 this year. He's going to want to start winning eventually. He's wasting his whole 20s losing. <laughs> he's only been to the playoffs once. And he's going to be in his seventh season next year. Right now he's in the sixth year. Been to the playoff one time. So he eventually, he you know, he's going to get frustrated and ask for a trade. So hopefully they can turn this franchise around quickly. Anthony Edwards can develop, hopefully at a rapid rate. And D'Angelo Russell hopefully is a solid piece for the foundational future long-term for this franchise so they can start winning and hopefully start making some postseasons. Like, we want to see them in the postseason, see them grow. They've been losing way too much over the last 15 years, and it's time for them to start winning. So hopefully Alex Rodriguez and Mark Lohr can change this around once they fully become full-time owners of this franchise by 2023. And speaking of ownership, D-Wade has now has a part-stake ownership with the Utah Jazz. And I think and he's trying not just to help them grow um, their franchise basketball-wise, but also in a community with the LGBTQ community that's really important to him with his daughter being a part of that community. He wants to grow them, not just in basketball, but also in other aspects um, in the community. So that's really good. Um, that's also a good look for him as he continues to find different um, ventures in his post-basketball career. Where he's doing his TNT gig on Tuesdays. He has other clothing lines. He has his shoes, Way of Wade. He has all these different things that he's doing to help bring in multiple streams of income. Which I think is, uh, he's got a great blueprint of a successful black man, man. He's one of the best to ever do it. Um, I think Angle Utah Jazz is perfect too because him and Donovan Mitchell are really tight. And he's been really tight with D. Mitch ever since he came to the league. He, even D. Wade called him 2.0, a 2.0 version of himself, the young D. Wade. And Donovan Mitchell to me and Anthony Edwards remind me of the young D. Wade the most. The way they slashed the rim, the finish. Um, they're probably a little bit better shooters than D. Wade. Um, Anthony Edwards needs to get more efficient before I say that. But he has the athleticism, dynamic athleticism over D. Wade and the physical tools, the strength, the finish through contact. Same with Donovan Mitchell. But neither one of them are the defender D. Wade was. And they need to pro prove they can win at the highest level that D. Wade did and be clutch over the course of their careers. Donovan Mitchell has proven he's clutch, but he needs to take that next step, lead his team to the conference finals or NBA finals. Is he that true? He's a star, but is he a superstar? like a D-Wade. We need to see that. In the postseason last year, he balled out like a D-Wade. But we need to see that. I think D-Wade being part of that ownership group is going to be able to work out with him, teach him all the little tricks and nicks he knows of the game, and take him to that next level. So D-Wade, I think he's going to be great for Utah Jazz going forward, and hopefully they can reach um, great success in the future. Getting some more news now. Uh, Michael Jordan, arguably the greatest basketball player of all time, along to the late great Kobe Bryant at the upcoming 2020 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame ceremony. Um, Kobe Bryant's one of the nine 
one of the nine honorees who will be inducted next on May 15th after it was postponed last year due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, Brian, who died in a tragic helicopter crash last year in January 2020 alongside his daughter and seven others, will be among those in the ceremony. Members of the nascent 12th in class 2020 were asked to select peers inductees to accompany and present them to their peers. And me personally, Michael Jordan is the perfect, perfect guy to um, honor Kobe, whether he was he, whether he was here or not. He was the perfect dude. Kobe literally looked up to Mike. He copied his moves, his mannerisms, the way he talked, the way he walked, the way he played on the court, everything. And Michael Jordan considered Kobe a little brother. He always called him late at night for advice on how to for tips of the game, stuff off the court, how to carry yourself. Three in the morning, Kobe would call Mike, be like, yo, Mike, how you did this? How you move this? How you know how to read your defender? How to, how to go which way if your defender's on this side of your hip? Like, all these little things. Kobe wanted details to every little thing. Their, span, their friendship was for decades. Jordan, who retired in 2003, and Kobe had long been considered um, two, one of the most common players to ever pick up a basketball. Um, Jordan, last year, man, I never seen Jordan cry so much. For someone, I never seen Jordan see that much emotion, except for his dad, like when his dad passed away, crying. That's how Kobe meant to him. He was that much of a little brother to him. Um, he said, stated during that time at the Staples Center Memorial last year, it may be a surprise to people that Kobe and I were very close friends. He was like a little brother. Everyone always wanted to talk about the comparisons between he and I. I just wanted to talk about Kobe. Um, he also noted that Kobe wanted to be the best basketball player that he possibly could, and that had an effect on Jordan. He told the crowd while he was emotional. Um, he stated, as I got to know him, I want to be the best big brother that I could be. He would call jokingly to do that. You had to put up with the aggravation, the late night calls, or the dumb questions. I took great pride as I got to know Kobe Bryant that he was trying to be a better person. He talked about business, talked about family, talked about everything. He was trying to just trying to be a better person. And it's going to be a very emotional day on May 15th when Kobe Bryant is inducted to the Hall of Fame. That's, gonna, that's on a Saturday, May 15th, I believe. Yes, that's on a Saturday, yes. So that's going to be the man. That's going to be something. So Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan are probably the two most iconic figures. Arguably the two most iconic figures in NBA history. Arguably. Like, yes, LeBron's up there. You have Magic Johnson. You have Shaq. But Kobe and Mike, man, everybody know who those guys are. Everybody. When you shoot in the trash can, you said Kobe. Everybody used to put their tongue out say MJ. Try to be like MJ back in the day. So that was something, man. It's going to be very emotional. I know Kevin Garnett's going to be in that class. Tim Duncan, they're going to talk about how Kobe was a great competitor. One of the toughest guys they ever played against and they've ever seen. And they were good. They, they played against him on the court numerous battles over the years. Those guys are some of the best players of that generation of all time as well. Those are three top 15 players of all time. Are you? Garnett, Duncan, and Kobe are in the top 15, 17 players of all time. Duncan and Kobe are top 10. And Garnett's like in the top 15-ish range to 20-ish range. So that's a great class right there. But, yeah, man, uh, it's going to be very emotional. I can't wait to see it. Um, I, I miss Kobe so much, and hopefully this this is a great Hall of Fame speech. So the NBA recently released a joint statement. Um, there's NBA PA Executive Director Michelle Roberts and the Commissioner Adam Silver released a joint statement this past Tuesday stating, quote, George Floyd's murder was a flashpoint for how we look at race and justice in our country, and we are pleased that justice appears to have been served. But we also recognize that there is much work to be done at the National Basketball Association and the National Basketball Players Association together 
with our newly formed Social Justice Coalition. Well, we double our efforts to advocate for meaningful, meaningful change in the areas of criminal justice and policing. Um, I think this is a very strong statement from the NBA, something they're really trying to help make a difference in the community, and we want to see. That's one thing I love about the NBA. It's very um, active, very um, informative on these type of issues, and they always try to take action in a positive way and try to make change in the world, and not just from the commissioner and the MVP, MVPA, Michelle Roberts, but the top star players, LeBron James, Chris Paul, um, when D-Wade was in the league, um, Camilla Anthony, like the top star players always speaking out about what's going on in our country and how to make change and voicing their opinions and telling people to take action. Um, vote for your local governments. Um, vote for change, not just nationally, but locally as well, because that's where it really starts. And I think this is a great step. Um, Derek Chauvin wasn't preferred. The verdict was he was pleaded guilty. And he will be facing time, a lot of time, probably life in jail which is a really good step in the right direction. But we're not just going to rest on our morals there. We're going to keep pushing for change, and we're going to try to get to where we need to be and where this country needs to be for equality among all. A black man should not have to be afraid to go on the streets and fear for his life that a cop's going to shoot him. <laughs> like, this is wild. All the stories I've seen over the past couple of years, it's mind-boggling. Trayvon Martin to Ahmed Aubrey to George Floyd. It's Breonna Taylor. We should not be afraid because of our color of our skin if our life's going to end tonight from a police officer when we're innocent. George Floyd died over a fake $20 bill. Ahmed Aubrey was running, jogging. He got shot by a cop. Trayvon Martin was getting a bag of Skittles or something like that. He got shot by this guy named George Zimmerman. And he wasn't pleaded guilty, which is sickening. That's why over the years, I've loved like star players, not just NBA, but NFL guys too, have really spoken up more of these social issues, bringing it to light, bringing it to the forefront. And we, that's what we need. This is the conversation that we need if we want to move forward in this country and evolve for the better, for next generations to come, have it better for them, and not keep the same sickening cycle going on for years and years. I think this was a great statement by the NBA and I hope we continue to see change and I hope this is the small stepping stone that we need to help make some real change in this country. But as we close it out with NBA news, top prospects Evan Mobley, the number one rated big man in this year's NBA draft, and Jalen Suggs was rejected a top five pick and declared their names in the NBA draft. Evan Mobley is a seven foot center at USC with a seven foot five wingspan, elite instincts, great defensive instincts, great quick twitch muscles, great help side defender, great shot blocker, great rebounder. He needs to improve his shot. He needs to improve his arc on his shot. I feel like it's kind of flat when I watch his free throw shooting. And he can get a shot a little quicker and he needs to get stronger if he wants to be able to bang down and and be able to some of the top bigs in the league like Anthony Davis, um, and B, Giannis, Nyokic, he's gonna have to get stronger in that department, um, to bang with those type of bigs. But um I think he has great potential to be a star big man in this league. And then Jalen Suggs he hit the big time shot, probably one of the greatest shots in college basketball history. A point guard with great leadership skills, great, great IQ for the game. This kid loves the game, he's passionate, he dives on the floor for loose balls. He's gonna be an all star in this league if he he continues to improve his shot creating ability and his shooting off the dribble, which I think he can. 
and I think he could be a great point guard in this league, and he's very explosive and a guy who truly loves the game and a guy you want in your, in your te- on your team and in your locker room. So these two guys are entering the NBA draft, and it's going to be a very exciting 2021 NBA draft. Now I'll switch gears to the NFL. It's Julian Edelman. He retired from the Patriots. Um, he, is he a Hall of Famer? Is he a Hall of Famer? He he played twelve years in the NFL with the New England Patriots. Um, he he was an undrafted guy, I believe. He was a wide receiver and return specialist. But is he a Hall of Famer? I, I don't think so. <clears throat> yes, he had a terrific career with Hall of Fame moments. He wasn't the greatest regular season stats guy, which I think is not gonna hurt his Hall of Fame case. But in the playoffs, he came out clutch. Especially during that 2017 Super Bowl against the Falcons when they were coming back down. He made some big catches down the stretch. He was a Super Bowl MVP. But he's um, he's 620 career receptions, which is 75th on the all-time list, just ahead of Jordy Nelson. He has 6,822 yards, which is 156th. Um, he's just ahead of Larry Sanders, a fullback. And he has 36 career receiving touchdowns, um, which have him off the charts somewhere after 215th ranked. Pass catches at 37. His playoff numbers, okay, 118 postseason catches, 1,442 receiving yards, which is second only to Hall of Famer, the GOAT wide receiver in Jerry Rice. That might help his case in the Hall of Fame, but gold jackets, like, that's kind of disrespectful to guys like Marvin Harrison, Jerry Rice, Terrell Ovens. So much, like, like, these guys had a great, not this playoffs, but Randy Moss. Like, these got individual statistics in the regular season. So, and this on 19 career playoff games, you're going to put this guy in the Hall of Fame. So, hopefully, I don't think he's going to make the Hall of Fame. He's a great player in the postseason, but regular season-wise, I don't think he did enough to really make the Hall of Fame. And that should be fine, considering the NFL Hall of Fame is probably the hardest to make it into. So, again, some more NFL news. Former NFL player, um, Philip Adams, who killed five people. Um, he was ex- He's going to be examined for TTE. He killed a South Carolina physician, three family members, and a repairman before fatally shooting himself. And his brain will be tested for a degenerative disease that has affected numerous amount of NFL players who have gone on to commit suicide on themselves and has been shown to cause violent mood swings and other cognitive disorders, according to the local um, coroner. Um, York County Coroner Tabrina Gass said in a statement issued on Friday that she had gotten approval from his family for the procedure to be included as part of his autopsy, which will be performed at the Medical University of South South Carolina. Um, according to police, Adams went to the home of Robert and Barbara Leslie on Wednesday and shot and killed them, two of their grandchildren, nine-year-old Ada Leslie and five-year-old Noah Leslie, and James Lewis, who was a 38-year-old air conditioning technician from Gadsden, who was doing work there. He also shot Lewis colleague, um, 38-year-old Robert Shook of Cherryville, North Carolina, who's, who flew, who had flown to a Charlotte hospital where he was in critical condition, fighting hard for his life. Man, this is, this, man. It'll be months before we know if the results are available for the CTE, which can only be diagnosed in an autopsy, but the disorder has been found in former members of the military, football players, and boxers and others who have been subjected to repeated head trauma to the head. A recent study found signs of disease in 110 and 111 NFL players whose brains were inspected. And several years ago, the league agreed to pay $1 billion to retire players 
who claimed they misled them about the dangers of playing football. Adams, who was 32, played in 78 NFL games over six seasons for the six teams. He joined the 49ers in 2010 as a seven-round draft pick out of South Carolina State. And even though he really started, he went on to play for New England, Seattle, Oakland, and New York just before finishing his career in 2015 with the Falcons. As a rookie in late 2010, he suffered a severe ankle injury resulting in surgery that included several screws being inserted into his leg. And he never ended up playing for the 49ers again, being released just before the 2011 season. And later with the Raiders, he had two concussions over three games in 2012. This is, this is sad. This is... Yeah, man. What's... Man. This is... This is something, man. And the police officers have revealed this past week there was no clear motive for a shooting that involved the ex-NFL player that led him to kill six people and then himself. And the report released Friday, released Friday from the New York County Sheriff's Office lists six counts of murder, possession of a weapon, during a violent crime, and burglary first degree. But, um, I want to get into what news that broke out today. Very, very disheartening, sad news. Um, man, this, this really hurts. This man, this man. This dude was about to fulfill his dream, man. Terrence Clark, a freshman guard at the University of Kentucky. Him and his him and BJ Boston, who's another NBA draft prospect in Kentucky. Um, they both had disappointing college seasons, and they were on their way. They signed with an agent, clutch. BJ Boston's ended up being fine. They suffered a car accident. BJ Boston is just injured right now. He'll be fine. But Terrence Clark, he sadly passed away earlier today in Los Angeles area this past Thursday. It was confirmed by Rich Paul, who's the agent. For them, and also for NBA stars like LeBron, <coughs> excuse me, and Anthony Davis, and and Ben Simmons, he confirmed it. Um, his mother was at his side when he died, according to ESPN's Wojnarowski. You know, I remember seeing Terrence Clark in high school, man. This dude was gonna be a star in the NBA, ladies and gentlemen. This dude has game. It's just so sad. This young man, only nineteen years, not even. 20, this dude was trying to change the generations of his family, man. He was so... He was about to change his family for the rest of their life. Future generations of his family. And all that is just wiped away. I'm not going to see this man. He'll have kids. Get married. Live out the rest of his life. Take care of his family. All that's gone. In a blink of an eye. They were coming from a workout, too. Not like they were doing anything crazy. They were coming from a workout, just going back home, and a car accident happened. Los Angeles Police Department Sergeant John Matasso, who works in the Valley Traffic Division, told ESPN's Ramon Shogun that Clark was a he was in a vehicle by itself that ran a red light going at a very man, very high rate of speed in northwest Los Angeles at around 2.10 p.m. Pacific time. Um, it was captured on surveillance video, and he collided with another vehicle that was preparing to make a left turn. And he struck the vehicle, hit a streetlight pole, and ultimately hit a block wall. He was transported to, transported to Northridge Hospital and was later pronounced dead as a result of the collision. Um, the driver, Matassa said the driver of the other vehicle, who was in a truck, did not claim any injuries. 
and Clark was driving a 2021 Hyundai Genesis and he was not wearing his seatbelt properly. Ladies and gentlemen, wing. I just want a moment of silence. <sighs> maybe him not wearing a seatbelt, they said they found him not wearing a seatbelt properly. Maybe that's. If he would have. Maybe that could have saved his life, you know? Princess Diana, everybody's. All the reports and facts that they've. Information they found, I see online. They said if she would have worn her damn seatbelt, she would have still been alive today. Seatbelts save lives. Stop taking it as a joke. Wear your damn seatbelts, ladies and gentlemen. When you're in a car, I don't care if you're in the back seat or front seat, wear your damn seatbelt. It can save your life. I'm not, no joke. It can save your damn life. Man. This dude, this dude was about to change his family's, his family's life forever. And now it's gone. Life is no joke. Take it seriously. Enjoy it while you have it. Because tomorrow's not promised. The Kentucky coach John Calvary said, um, I'm absolutely gutted and sick tonight. A young person who we all love has just lost his life too soon, one with all of his dreams and hopes ahead of him. Terrence Clark was a beautiful kid, someone who owned the room's personality, smile, and joy, and people gravitated to him. And to hear we have lost him is just hard for all of us to comprehend right now. We are all in shock. Terrence's teammates and brothers loved him and are absolutely devastated. They know we are here for them for whatever they need. <sighs> On my way to Los Angeles to be with his mother and his brother to help wherever I can. It's a least with difficult period for all of those who know and love Terrence. And I would ask that everyone take a moment tonight to say a prayer for Terrence and his family. May he rest in heavenly peace. And he just announced last month that he was entering the NBA draft and he signed with Clutch Sports and he was in Los Angeles preparing for the draft. Clutch Sports CEO Rich Paul told ESPN, we are sad and devastated by the tragic loss of Terrence Clark. Um, he was an incredible, hardworking young man. He was sacrificed was ahead of him and ready to fulfill his dreams. Our prayers go out to Terrence and his family who has priority during this difficult time. This past season, he played in seven games, but he was sidelined with an ankle injury that kept him out until the season finale. He finished averaging nine and a half points per game. He was a former five-star prospect from Boston who was an objective lottery pick entering the year, but he was number 72 in the ESPN's most recent version of top 100 prospects. Man. Man. He stated this one last month on social media when he cleared for the draft. Um, Terrence said, as an adolescent, having the privilege to put on the Kentucky uniform and playing from BBN was always a lifelong goal of mine. Although it was hindered due to things out of my control, the experience is something I will keep with me forever. I have learned a lot with the experience, and I will never take it for granted. Terrence Clark was a high-flying, exciting, young, dynamic shooting guard. This guy, this dude had, had it all. He had the great size for a shooting guard, six foot seven. He had like a six ten wingspan. He could score with the best of them. He could dunk on you in high school. Man, he was. He when he was on Brewster Academy, he was killing. This dude really gave me like Tracy McGrady vibes, and like Demar Derozan vibes. Like this, this dude had the game to be an All Star in the NBA. He kind of struggled in college, which maybe his game was better suited for the NBA. But now 
I'm never going to get the opportunity to see this dude play at the highest level. All because of a damn car accident. Damn. I just want to give another moment of silence. <sighs> Tevin's Clark, man. I remember watching this guy when he was like 15, 16 years old. I saw the talent. I thought he was going to be a great, great player in the NBA one day. I want his family to give my condolences and prayers to his family, his family during this very tough time for them. And God be with them. James Clark, rest in heavenly peace, man. We're going way too soon. Man. Sorry to end the episode off emotional. Um, but yeah. I couldn't leave that out, man. As a kid. Kids have dreams, man. We all work so hard to get to a certain point. Reach our dreams and change the fortunes of our family, and just to have that taken away from you in a blink of an eye before you even had a chance to do it. That's just really heartbreaking. This dude had his whole life ahead of him, whole career ahead of him, and just wiped away forever. It's just really tough. But, um, yeah, that's gonna do it, guys. Um, hope you guys enjoyed this episode, especially having taken my week off last week due to being sick. I'm your host, DJ Hamilton. Stay tuned for the NFL first-round mock draft. I'm going to try to get that done by the time the NFL draft starts next Thursday. And I hope you all enjoyed this episode. You can catch me on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Anchor, Radio Public, you name it. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I'll see you next time.